Okay, Damien, we just watched both of us for the first time clean and sober. We did. What a good choice. Well, I felt like you made certain judgments before it started when you saw the title come up. Um, what kind of judgments did you think I made? Well, you said, um, oh, is this just what you felt like watching tonight? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then you said something about, did this even rate well? Or I don't know. You just made some derisive comment about it. Um, we're getting off on a bad footing already. Uh, <laughs> it felt like a movie that you said, well, I know what I'm going to watch. And then you loaded up our Plex server uh, and just put on a film that I know you've wanted to watch. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay. I'm used to being shown films that you love. Well, I did show you a film that I love as it turns out. Well, you didn't know that. No, no, this, fair point. This could have been uh, sleeping with the enemy territory. I honestly expected this to be like an 80s dramedy, kind of like, you know, a comedy actor doing a slightly serious. That's what I thought it would be. I thought it would be way dumber than it was. I know. It had a lot of emotional weight. And it just wasn't formula. It didn't do a lot of like the quick cuts. It never went for the punchline. It never put up silly jokes. It never made characters do things just for him and the plot. It made every single person in the story real. He was amazing in it. Amazing. Like, can you believe that there wasn't more buzz around this performance? No, I looked up in the middle of the movie whether he got an Oscar nomination and he didn't. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, how I'd like to know who was nominated that year and take their best scenes and put them next to the scene where he calls his parents and also the scene at the end where he's at his 30 days and he's talking to the group. Yeah, there was some there were some really great scenes. I did see the on the Wikipedia page it said that Roger Ebert praised the supporting performances and they were all really good, but I thought that this was this was a lead performance movie for me. This was Michael Keaton like at his best, absolute best. Uh, do you like Michael Keaton? Like do you like I I, I don't know, do you even into him? Yeah, I love Michael Keaton. I think he's got a real screen presence and I I feel mm. like he went missing for so long. Yeah. And he's in so many of those, you know, really fun movies, uh, especially late 80s, early 90s, which are really fun, dark, uh, adult movies. And he's so good in all of them. He's got a bit of a menacing presence. I, I really liked one thing about this film that I really liked was that I guess in the majority of films like this, somebody comes out of rehab and they're a different person. And Michael Keaton was the same person. He was just out of rehab. And that's what made this performance so special to me. He was still a hothead. Yeah. Like he still flew off the flew off the handle at the bosses at his job when he was trying to get his job back. <laughs> I, I loved that there was uh like there was a toning down of his character, but there wasn't a complete uh one eighty from where he was at the start of the movie. No, and the other thing that these movies tend to do is it's like, you know, for like the first 45 minutes of the movie, they're really, really bad. Every decision they're making is about their addiction and, you know, they're just phoning it in and being fake. And then it's like this flip in one or two scenes over 10 minutes where suddenly they're making good choices. And I liked in this film how it was about the percentages shifting. So like every day he made maybe 99% of his choices were bad, were about chasing the high and chasing the drug. And then the next day it was 90%. And then the next day it was 80%. Like we never saw him. He never had a moment through the movie. Where I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to getting sober. I loved how in the last speech, he's like, talks about how 
he was going to have to put on an act and pretend to be an addict for them so that he could seek refuge in the place. And really he never ever stopped thinking that he was, the movie was not about somebody recovering. The movie was about somebody getting to the very first stage, which is no longer denying they're an addict. That's all he had done by the time this movie ended. Yeah. And I mean, it, it told us that story in so many different ways. For instance, when he was in rehab and he was constantly looking at the telephone and, you know, he just wanted that access to the outside world. And then as soon as he got the telephone, he called his dealer. And then he hung up from his dealer and he called the hospital. So it was like he always made the bad choice first. Yeah. <laughs> and then the good choice was always a backup. Yeah, that's true. It was always, well, while I'm here, I might as well call and see how she is. Because, and, and the intent at that point is not even, I might as well see how she is. It was, I might as well see if she's dead and how that's going to impact my life if I need to stay here in hiding. Am I facing a murder charge or just, you know. <laughs> that's right. Because if, if she's going to make it, I can leave this place. Yes. <laughs> the gravity of it all doesn't hit him until his co-worker comes into the rehab centre and tells him that she has died. Mm. And that's the moment where it kind of switches around and his priorities start to change. Yeah. That's a shattering moment because he thinks he's going to get a fix in that moment. And then he finds out, no, he's not going to get a fix. Oh, and by the way, she's dead. Her father's making big noise with the DA and you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of little moments like that and he plays them all so well. That scene where he doesn't get a fix, I think he plays that perfectly. I mean, that's one of those scenes where he could fly off the handle, but he then becomes almost resigned to the fact that, hey, I'm probably in here for the long haul. And it's, he's always scrambling. Like, mm. he's so good at playing just that manic scrambling. He's always got something he wants, something he's got to do, business he's got to take care of. And he's just like rushing around. And not stopping and seeing that he's, you know, rushing into a wall. And that business that he's got to take care of, like I said at the start, that's bad business. It's it's the stuff that got him into this mess. And then he keeps making those small changes through these little realizations, through the support of his uh, sponsor, who's fantastic in this movie. I love him. Yes. His screen presence is just amazing. His speeches are amazing. Morgan Freeman's the same. I, apart from the only note that didn't hit well with me was Morgan Freeman's haircut. <laughs> do you know what I was thinking about? I was wondering, like, why in the 80s did nobody do anything about Michael Keaton's hair? It's uh, like, it's... oh, that's how he's turned up today. So let's let's roll. We're ready. Yeah. I'm glad that whoever did that did not get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Morgan Freeman's hair was very weird. It was like. Morgan Freeman's hair was like. Uh, channeling Bart Simpson or something. There's this show called Workaholics, and there's this uh, black guy that works in the office, and his name's Jet, and he just puts all of the product in his hair and then parts it in the middle. And it's the most horrible haircut. In that movie, it's comedy. In this movie, it's like completely out of place. But Morgan Freeman was really good in it, and uh, Kathy Baker was really good in it. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. In fact, I can't really think of a weak performance. I thought they were all really no. good. The The only weak-ish performance for me was Iris when Morgan Freeman asked her to leave the group session yeah. uh, and she huffed three times on the way out. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was a little bit overwrought. 
which probably is more the edit, like the editing than her performance, really. Yeah, apart from that, I thought everything in the movie was really great. It had those little moments that you expect from movies like this, like the black guy chucking the ball at the TV and smashing it and the woman twisting her hair beforehand but not giving Michael Keaton any kind of, I guess, um, eye contact or conversation. Her, her like, um, putting groceries through and making some embarrassing remark in front of the teller. Yeah. Like, it had those sorts of things that we recognise in movies. And the domestic violence relationship. I, I didn't think that was the best, but... It was it, a bit thin, wasn't it? It was, it was very thin. And never clear exactly what he was doing, how bad it was, why she was staying. They didn't mm. have kids, it didn't mm. seem. Mm. Or she told a story about losing a kid. I don't know, it was... Yeah, I mean, but I guess, you know, he, they, they spent so much time fleshing him out. They fleshed her out plenty. Like, they could, mm. m- most movies like this do far less with their supporting characters, far less. What did you think about her dying in the end? That caught me by surprise. But that's another thing I liked about the movie is that even though it, even though I thought it was a formula film, it really wasn't. And I didn't expect her to die suddenly that way. I really liked, um, the how visually how it was done how it was photographed it kind of caught me by surprise and I really also like that it didn't show Michael Keaton getting the news I like it just I like that it just cut to another day like a new day and he just pulled up outside his sponsor's house mm. and I loved their reaction that was almost my favorite scene in the movie not only because Michael Keaton's amazing in that moment but because I love when he says to him you are being arrogant by thinking that you have any control over, over whether or not you could stop her from taking drugs there are a few scenes and you've mentioned two of them. So you've mentioned his phone call to his mum and you've mentioned the final scene where he's giving the speech. Essentially, he's in the place, you know, that he was in 30 days ago. 30 days ago, he was sitting in the audience looking for a sponsor. And now he's the person giving the speech. And in the original scene, he tries to hit on that person. Yes. And I love that it started with his sponsor telling him, doing his 30 days. Oh, yes, in the, uh, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. And then we don't see him again until he comes up, like, you know, 40 minutes more into the movie. Mm. And then it's, and then it's like uh, Michael Keaton ending it. It's, it was a beautiful bookend. Well, the other scene that I loved was the conversation between Michael Keaton and his sponsor when his sponsor first drops Michael Keaton back off at home and they're in the kitchen. And he asks him what he's going to do about his job. And Michael Keaton does what he's always done, which is fob it off. Like, it's no big thing. He's going to find the solution. He's, I'll take care of it. He's going to come up with something and it's going to be some kind of grift that is not going to work for him. And his yeah. sponsor says, no, no, you listen to me. And then says, what you're going to do is you're going to write down everything that you say. And I love the line where he says, no matter what you do, you're going to go in there and you're going to tell them the truth. Because re- the sponsor understands, regardless of the result of telling the truth, it's the only way to move forward in life. Yeah. And Michael Keaton tries lying in that meeting. I was going to say, that's another example of you say he, he, he'll sort of do the wrong thing and then do the right thing. Mm. And he tries the wrong thing, but then when he's kind of pushed for more detail, then he does the right thing. And he pays a price for that. He does pay a price for it. I think he would, I think ultimately he probably would have paid the price anyway. But personally, that's a huge step forward. And uh, he, again, another amazingly performed scene, right? When he mm. talks to his boss. 
Yeah, that scene when he brings up all of the uh, illegal things that all of his co-workers have been doing as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I just love that his boss says, okay, I think we get where you're going yes, with this. Yes, <laughs> I know. Like, you know, the movie seemed to be dodging so many, all the reactions were fresh. You know, it was so funny that that conversation was so casual. Most movies would soup that up, you mm. know, well, you've got that boat and then it will cause more friction between the characters and they'd tell them to get out. And, you know, the fact that they laughed and it diffused the situation felt mm. so much more real to life. And that was one of those scenes that I was talking about that I loved that he flew off the handle because a lot of people would be um, really asking for forgiveness at this point. Yeah. And he went on the offensive. So it was still true to keeping true in keeping with his character before he went to rehab and that's what i loved seeing when he came out he wasn't a completely different person he was a person with those same desires looking to make better choices that's what made this performance work when so many of these performances are like midday movie but still running i like how um he knows he needs to have this conversation with his boss he doesn't want to do that so instead of looking at that, instead of looking at the girl that's dead, oh, I'm going to go after Kathy Baker. I'm going to get myself a girlfriend. I'm mm. going to have that for myself. And, you know, it's, it was sort of funny and she could sense that. And she was kind of batting him away. And also then he started to sort of, you know, he made her his project, his new project. And then, of course, when she died, it was sort of like a car accident for him as well. Like mm. he had to just, that was that was the final straw. And, like, it's interesting how he says, I remember that guy, the sponsor, when they're showing his mon monologue, he goes, I remember when I hit bottom. And he tells a story about trying to bash his nose back together with a hammer. Yeah. And then obviously Michael Keaton's moment is when Kathy Baker dies, I would think. I, I would agree with you. Sorry, I'm just looking up what else the sponsor's been in. He was in Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> He was in Twilight. I think that's, is that that movie that you watched with um, Paul Newman? Yeah. Gosh, the director almost did nothing of this. This was his first film. He did Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, he, he wasn't, um, he was in Silkwood. You're talking about? The actor. Yeah. Was, yeah, he was in Silkwood and Serpico. But he hmm. hasn't, um, hasn't done a lot in the last 20 years that we'd know. So what are you going to give this movie? Well, I've already rated it on Letterboxd and I've given it four and a half. Wow, really? Yeah, I think it was yeah. really strong. I think it was possibly the best performance I've seen of Michael Keaton. Well, I guess what you what would you rate it against? I mean, Birdman would be the only one, right? Um, Or Pacific Heights <laughs> is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but come on. Um, it's like saying that your favourite Macaulay... Colkin performance is the good son. As opposed to Home Alone too. <laughs> Home Alone too. Yeah, that's because <laughs> wasn't that like Donald wasn't the Trump subtitle of that Colkin Takes New York? No, it was called Lost in New York. Colkin oh. Takes New York. That's not even his name in the movie. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Do you even know his name in the movie, Kevin. Luke? Kevin. Yeah, very good. Kevin takes New York. Very good. I went to see the, uh, that movie in the cinema with my uncle and I had a videotape. He got me a videotape for Christmas that year of the first Home Alone. And so I would just watch it constantly. Yeah, it was a really good movie, but the old man scared me. He was scary. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, I'm really glad that this worked out. I'm really glad I, I, I picked this randomly. Yeah. Can you imagine if you'd picked something like 84 Charing Cross Road? <laughs> How embarrassing that would be. You're lucky we never recorded that. Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a pleasure to watch it for the first time with you. It was a really great movie, a great experience. And I think we had the... What did you give it out of five? Uh, yeah, I went four and a half as well. Okay. I'm, shockingly. But I thought it was great. I was going to go four and then I was like, nah. Four means just a really middling film with no special things. No, you know, really like a really special performance or something like that. And I thought, I can't do that to this movie because I think it was much better than that. Yeah. I mean, look, there were at least five or six scenes that were scenes from a five star movie Mm. for me. Yeah. Like in terms of how much power they had. I didn't see you cry at all, though. I did a little. Uh Yeah. You hit it well. Thank you. Um, what would you what would you say are the only problems with the movie? I would say that the relationship between uh Kathy Baker and her boyfriend, uh Lenny, I think that we could learn a little bit more about that. Um and I think that at times the last twenty minutes moves quite fast. Yep. And so that that would be the two major things that I would fix in the movie. The rest of it is okay. And of course, Morgan Freeman's haircut. <laughs> I agree with you on all of that. I think those were the only things I only things that kept me from giving it a higher, giving it five stars. Mm. It was really good. And so how far away this was 85? 88. So he would do Batman the next year. Yeah, so he did Batman, then 92, I think Batman Returns, 91, of course, Pacific Heights. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around there he did multiplicity, multiplicity, multiplicity. One Monday night I wanted, I wanted us to do Pacific Heights. Well, actually, it was so funny that you put this movie on because as soon as I saw it, I thought, is this Batman Returns? <laughs> did you? Yeah. Because you haven't watched that in a long time either. No, I haven't watched it in a long time. It just had that feel. And I don't know why. I just thought you were going to go for a Michael Keaton movie, apparently. (laughs) Is Michael Keaton still the best Batman? Oh, for me, he is. But but Michael Keaton's the only um, male actor who's played Batman that I really love. Yeah. Like, I I don't... I mean, not to say that I dislike any of the others. I, I, I do like George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Christian Bale. Oh, did did Ben Affleck do one? I like him as was, well. Was he Batman or Superman? I don't know. Yeah. Who cares? It was a stupid movie that neither of us bothered with. You might like the next one. Yeah, because that's the Batman, because that's got Robin Robert Patterson in it, and he's really good. But Michael Keaton's got something special. He's just an actor that's got a certain energy that's just his, and he's really, really fun to watch. Michael Keaton's Batman was kind of in between the light Batman of the 60s and the dark Batman of the 80s in, yeah. in terms of comic books and he he kind of took the best of both worlds for his batman um and what followed after that with val kilmer and george clooney was really just two men in plastic who were not helped at all by the costumes that they were wearing yes whereas michael keaton kind of took everything on board uh shone through the cosmetics um, yeah, and yeah. he really, he really made it his own. I mean, he was a bit overshadowed by Jack Nicholson, though, wasn't he? 
yeah, he was. But I, I think, um, and, and even in Batman Returns, Batman's are, the Batmans are always overshadowed by the villains, I think. That's true. Tim Burton has kind of a, a, a kitty kind of a childlike cruelty that's, that comes in his movies, a playful kind of cruelty in all of his films. Mm. And then he's got also this streak of real, almost like melancholy, like all of his characters are weirdly sad or they're missing something. And Michael Keaton and him, I think that's why they collaborate so well because Michael Keaton has this edginess, this danger. You called it like a menace, a menacing quality almost. And I don't know that it's necessarily menacing, but I think the unpredictability makes it feel like it could be menacing. It could go any which way. Yeah, I think he does have that. I think also that Tim Burton really makes these movies that are quite dark. Um, yeah. And I don't think the other Batmans have ever really achieved it. Well, you know, Joel Shoemaker, all of the, all of the, um, I don't know, intensity of the first two films aren't in the third or fourth film. That, no, that were part of that series. They're cartoonish and they're lightweight. Whereas, I mean, you know, arguably so are the first two Batmans, but I don't know. I, I would argue that there's something there that that's a bit more grounding with them. No, there's the first two Batmans are still as far as kids movies go. They're the stuff of nightmares. Mm, they are because there's, there's a psychological horror built into it. You just don't get that. I mean, some of the visuals in Batman Returns, especially Stunning. with the Penguin, yeah. are very dark, oh, yeah. very menacing. Yeah. At watching that as a child, as we were, we were both, you know, probably not even 10. I, I might have been 10 at the time. Like, that is that is dark stuff. Yeah, I was, I was horrified, but also completely obsessed and fascinated. Yeah, because you were just wondering how you would fit into the Catwoman costume when you got home. <laughs> I insisted that mother make me one <laughs> and she did. She stayed up all night on the and sewing machine. Somebody who was obsessed with fitting into the uh, the Catwoman costume at the age of eight would call his mum mother. <laughs> my mum did actually make a Catwoman costume for Cass and she wore it to oh school my gosh. when we did a costume day. What a talented lass. Yeah, she was great. I mean, is great. But she was <laughs> she was great back then as well. She was better back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's really come down in my yeah. estimation. Mm. Alrighty, well, Damien, great. Thank you. Great. Thank you for showing me that very clean and sobering look at uh, alcoholism. It's made me less scared to try being sober. Oh, well, that's good. It's, I mean, it's about time. Yeah, if that day ever comes. We'll see. No promises. <laughs> 